Welcome to this edition of the Insights Podcast on the Huddle Network. I'm Don Mills. And I'm David Campbell. Uh, David, this is the third in our four-part series on clusters. Uh, we started with the BioAlliance in PEI uh, and then followed up with the uh, the uh, cybersecurity uh, cluster happening in New Brunswick. Uh, this one takes a look at the ocean uh, industries uh, that is... Uh, is happening in our region, uh, especially in Nova Scotia. And uh, we have a very interesting conversation uh, with uh, Melanie Nado, the CEO of Cove, which is the Center uh, for Ocean uh, Ventures and Entrepreneurship. Yeah, so it's, it's uh, you know, the ocean is sort of the biggest thing out there in terms of the economy, the historical economy in Atlanta, Canada with the fishing sector. But the modern economy with the uh, offshore oil and gas industry, but also aquaculture, ocean shipping. And of course, as you'll hear in the conversation today, uh, a lot of ocean tech now emerging, uh, new companies, new opportunities on, on how we manage using digital technology and artificial intelligence uh, and other tools. So very, very exciting conversation uh, with Melanie about what's going on uh, in the uh, ocean sector with a focus on ocean technology. Yeah, and this is a big sector, as Melanie points out. It's worth about $30 billion a year in Canada, and it employs uh, 300,000 people. Um, it's part of a broader uh, effort to take a look at ocean uh, industries. Um, there's a, a new organization called Canada's Ocean Supercluster, which is a not-for-profit, which uh, is uh, been funded uh, equally between the uh, private and public sectors. Uh, it's got a big uh, fund to help uh, uh, this uh, sector develop over time. And as you mentioned, it, it covers a lot of things. I mean, people don't realize, you know, sometimes they think about oceans, they think about fishing maybe, but there's obviously fishing, there's agriculture, there's biosciences, there's offshore resources like oil and gas, there's marine renewals, there's defense, there's shipping. You know, 80% of our products that we have are shipped by the ocean. So the ocean is a big, is a big part of every, everybody's lives. And I think the focus uh, that Cove has is uh, very exciting for this region. Yeah, that's right. So the Center for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship, or Cove, was set up to help catalyze economic development in the sector and support companies and growth. And I was very shocked, actually, at the amount of private sector activity. So when you think about the uh, oceans sector, sometimes you think about Coast Guard and DFO and, and, and what's going on at the universities with Dalhousie. But she told us there's 60 firms with 300 staff physically located uh, at the Cove Center in Dartmouth, and there's 45 more in the pipeline. That is an impressive kitty of firms doing interesting things and taking advantage of the technology and the services offered by Cove. And I think it's very exciting. Very, you know, if you think about the conversation with the Bio Alliance, this seems to be another uh, interesting, very, very interesting effort to catalyze uh, uh, startups and entrepreneurial activity uh, in, uh, in a very specific sector of the economy. And as Rory Francis uh, so um, ably pointed out, we need intermediary organizations like the Bio Alliances, uh, like Cove, uh, to provide uh, coordination, collaboration, um, and and the facilities that uh, Cove have uh, are certainly helping on that. As an example, uh, 
they um, they have a test bed for marine insp- instrumentation, which allows people in real time to um, look at the impact of uh, instruments in the water, basically. And I think that that's obviously, uh, as as Melanie points out, has been a really a big success. Yeah, and I think that's part of the value of these intermediate organizations. So maybe an individual private sector firm or even educational institution doesn't have the scope or scale to, to in, invest in something that's the scale of the Stella Maris. Uh, but as an, as an entity working on behalf of a bunch of different organizations, you can do that. And we talk about the Versurin Center at Cape Breton University in uh, Sydney, and they, with their bioreactors, have been able to attract a number of startups to Sydney because they have the technology there. And of course, that's exactly what Cove is doing uh, in Halifax, in Dartmouth, and it seems to be working out and having some success. Uh, the other interesting thing that we talked about is their focus on workforce development uh, with a strong emphasis on an internship uh, program that has been that prepares people uh, seeking careers in ocean industry. She indicated that 80% of people involved in that program were pre-hired <laughs> uh, for work in, the, in, in this sector. And there's going to be a lot of opportunities. I, I actually went and took a look at some of the jobs. It's, they're well-paying jobs, uh, not in what you would call traditional uh, industries when you th- or jobs when you think about the uh, ocean uh, sort of sector. But um, it, it, there's going to be a lot of jobs created in this sector uh, over time. The one thing that I was, uh, I guess, a, a little bit surprised by is when you asked uh, Melanie about the metrics. Uh, it's, it's clear that they're in the early stages of trying to figure out what the metrics are. And again, referring to Rory Francis, he said it's imperative that you know what you, the outcomes you're trying to achieve. And uh, so they probably have a little bit more work to do in that area. I think that's right, but I think that's an, it seems to be an evolving situation for her to, 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 to her and her board to figure out what those should be. I too was interested in the discussion around workforce development. That does seem to be a theme across all of the uh, clusters that we've talked about is even getting into high school or earlier to try and expose young people to, to careers in the sector. But I, I'm a bit of a romantic when it comes to the ocean. <laughs> Uh, you know, she was saying that a lot of young people, you know, think it's kind of a hard work and dark and, you know, basically referring to working on fishing vessels or something along those lines. But I'm a bit of a romantic. Right. I mean, this is Atlantic Canada and that that runs deep into our into our uh, collective uh, DNA, this idea of working hard and uh, bringing the fish out of the water and and uh, and serving, uh, take care of your family with that uh, with that economic activity. But yes, I, I, I think our, our listeners will find this uh, interview very, very interesting. And uh, to get an update, if they don't know about Cove, I think they'll find it very, very interesting. Yeah. So with that uh, short introduction, let's, uh, let's listen to the conversation that we have with uh, Melanie Nadeau, the CEO of Cove, uh, which, by the way, is an organization that is very new. It's only been around for a short period of time. So here's the interview. Melanie, welcome to our podcast. Thank you. Uh, before we begin our conversation about the ocean sector of our economy, tell us a little about the road uh, that you took to your pl- your present role. It's uh, It's been a long journey, and it probably started uh, in my youth, where I grew up in northern Quebec, a small town called Picardse, which was at the mouth of the Atlantic and the St. Lawrence. So I grew up um, alongside the ocean. Um, and that was a resource-based town. And uh, 
But 25 years ago, I joined the Royal Canadian Navy. And I left northern Quebec and traveled on the Atlantic coast and the Pacific coast. In fact, I was stationed out in the Pacific, but I had a lot of sea time. So, you know, um, I was fairly young, but what it uh, allowed me to do is really appreciate the ocean in many different ways and the strength in the ocean. Then after I left the Navy, I went and uh, took some engineering courses and and worked and, and weaved into different organizations and um, uh, worked a lot in different factions of the energy sector with motor vehicles. And um, I always had this lure for technology. So about maybe about 18, 20 years ago, I was uh, looking at hybrid vehicles, if you can believe, and working with the Audi manufacturers on different technologies for hybrid vehicles. And, and now we've got um, electric vehicles on the road. So, um, so I've always been at the cusp of technology and the different roles that I've taken on. Um, and then, you know, through my career, as I was navigating different um, roles and opportunities, I started to uh, be involved in uh, energy and offshore renewable energy and hydropower. And uh, that led me to uh, many different things. In fact, I did the uh, I led the uh, international standards for marine renewable energy and offshore ener offshore renewable energy. Um, that was uh, based out of Geneva, but that exposed me to all types of developments and even touched on offshore and gas and worked with many manufacturers around the world. And, um, and I was heavily involved with, in Canada, with uh, developing opportunities for tidal energy and wave energy as well in the ocean space. And, uh, and then I was in Ontario at the time of all places, which is not along a coastline, but it was central to both coasts. And it was, uh, you know, I used to do a lot of international work. So it was a good hub to uh, be working with many countries around the world. And that led me to come to the East Coast. So I got an opportunity to work with uh, Emera and I moved here um, to Nova Scotia in 2011. And I uh, almost started to do full, full circle with the ocean again. And my first uh, job with them was to, uh, to work on the tidal energy investments that Emera had done. And I was involved in business development. That expanded over time. Um, did a lot of work for Emera in different uh, facets of business development. Um, work with different operating companies over the years. And it was time for change. And, um, you know, I have always been a very strong believer in, um, in innovation, in opportunity. And uh, the, the, uh, when Jim Hanlon was retiring, I put my name in the hat because, um, you know, I strongly believe in the opportunity that Canada, Atlantic Canada has in, um, in ocean innovation. So that's what led me to uh, to be at Cove, and I've been here now as CEO for just over a year. Uh, maybe we should start by finding out a little bit about the industry uh, sector itself. How big is the ocean sector in Canada today in terms of its impact on employment and GDP? So today, more broadly, the ocean sector in Canada is about um, over $30 billion terms of GDP, and that equates to roughly over 300,000 jobs. 
Uh, and that spans everything from seafood, marine transportation, um, public sector, uh, oil and gas, offshore oil and gas, offshore energy. Um, so um, the ocean sector is quite vast in the terms that in the in the in the sense that uh, there's a lot of different subsectors within the ocean sector, um, and they're fairly large. So, so a lot of it is, is still driven by the private sector, but the public sector is still uh, highly involved. So think about defense and security in Canada. Obviously, uh, we have the longest coastline, so that's a big opportunity. Um, fisheries, seafood. Uh, sorry, in the, on the public sector side, I'll sh um, I was just going to say uh, coastline protection, um, ocean observation. There's a lot of research that happens in Canada around the ocean. So that really encompasses that uh, the ocean sector here. And obviously, it's an important uh, sector for Atlantic Canada. What's the scope of, of, the, of its importance in Atlantic Canada? Yeah, so clearly in Atlantic Canada, we're, we're a really strong driver in um, in the ocean economy and even more so on the uh, what I call the ocean tech side. And uh, for example, in Nova Scotia, it's about, uh, you know, 12% of our GDP, roughly. Uh, that equates to about over four and a half billion or so. Uh, Newfoundland, very strong economy in Newfoundland. It's, uh, you know, about 20% or so of their GDP. In New Brunswick, it's about over 4% 4, 4 of GDP. So it's a significant driver of the economy in, uh, in the Atlantic. And then the other thing that's really interesting. So with Cove, we're focused on ocean tech, which means high tech in the ocean. And that's anything from underwater acoustics, sensing, imaging, artificial intelligence, marine communications, informatics, bioproducts. So there's quite a range there. And we've, um, we're going to release this very shortly, uh, but we've done some work to understand what the concentration of uh, companies are in terms of these high tech companies in the ocean sector that are focused on the new blue economy. And what mean, we mean about the new blue economy, it's, it's platforms, it's technology and informatic services. And uh, of that, one of the conclusions that, uh, several conclusions that we're, uh, we've come to, but what's really important for Atlantic Canada is when we look at these new blue economy companies, about 60% of them are located in, the Canada, in Atlantic Canada. So uh, on a, you know, as a cluster, when you talk about clusters, that's an extremely, extremely strong cluster. And it would be similar to what you would see in terms of high tech innovation clusters in Massachusetts or California. So, um, so that's pretty significant. And then also on a, um, on a revenue per capita, we're also comparable across Canada uh, to the U.S., so there are a lot of these uh, new blue economy type companies, high tech companies uh, based here, very comparable to, uh, comparable to other markets like the U.S. and, and the U.K. Melanie, when do you uh, anticipate that report going public? Uh, I would say uh, give us a couple of more weeks. We're, we're finalizing, um, dotting the I's, crossing the T's, but um, I think you'll find it quite interesting. We like to have breaking break so news and I on are this uh, podcast, so thanks for telling our listeners about that in advance. <laughs>
Yeah, it's always nice to have breaking news. Don and I are particularly interested in these, what I call intermediary organizations or organizations that sit at the center of an ecosystem of government and academia and industry. And of course, Cove is a good example of that. So can you tell us a little bit about the Center for Ocean Ventures and Entrepreneurship, uh, your mandate, governance structure and sources of funding? Sure. Uh, Cove um, in itself is a high-tech innovation hub. Uh, that means a lot of things sometimes, but um, where uh, we have a um, uh, working waterfront here that's located in Halifax. We have workshops, machine shops. We also have um, a collaborative space where different companies are situated. We run a series of different programs focused on anything from getting to market uh, products to market faster, developing a talent base, and so on. And so, you know, our, our view is that we're really the only spot that allows a company, a venture, not a company, a venture to grow. Um, and we're also highly connected. So to your point, um, yet we have the bricks and mortar piece. We have programming that actually stretches across Canada. Um, so, and, and we have connections all over the world. Uh, and so in that, it's anything from government leaders around the world, different types of innovation hubs um, like ours uh, or smaller ones that, you know, we have a mutual interest. There are venture capital um, organizations and businesses that we work with and so on. So we're highly interconnected and our, our mandate around that, our mission really is to commercialize ocean tech. And what that means is it's about getting ocean products and services to market quicker. So uh, we're part of the ecosystem. We're very engaged with building the ecosystem, but our main mandate is to, is to get products to market quicker. And, so, uh, and again, that's across Canada. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? So that means you're working with, say, early stage companies, or are you working with sort of late stage research? So where are you in that sort of continuum? And then what are the services you provide to help with that commercialization? Yeah, so our uh, continuum is... Uh, is a long one. So in, you know, we will work with anything from, we have early stage startups that we'll work with, uh, and, um, it goes all the way to SMEs and multi multinationals. Our biggest client base, I will say is the SME base. So small and medium sized enterprises. And in fact, um, probably no surprise to anyone listening, but the majority of the ocean sector in Canada is, uh, is SME based. So no surprise that that's our, our one of our prime markets, our prime clientele, I guess I should say. But having said that, we do work with uh, multinationals that are interested in opportunities that whether they're a client, a customer of some of the companies that we work with, organizations we work with, or they want to access. We also have um, work with different institutes, um, too, on commercialization and building talent. So they're very interested in our connections there. So it's it's. Um, it's a bit bespoke, I guess you could say, but um, it really depends on what the needs are uh, to service that appropriate group within that continuum. Uh, <clears throat> let's turn for a second to your relationship with uh, Canada's Ocean Supercluster. 
the Super Cluster is a non not for profit organization that was established, I believe, in 2018 to bring together startups, scale ups, as well as mature organizations from coast to coast to coast across the fishery, agricultural, biosciences, offshore resources, marine renewals, defense, ocean, and shipping technology. Wow, that's quite a list. It is focused on accelerating the development and commercialization of globally relevant ocean solutions in Canada's position as a global leader in oceans. Tell us about your relationship with the uh, supercluster, will you, Melanie? Sure. Well, it dates back to before it was a supercluster, in fact. So Cove uh, was one of the leads in uh, pulling together what became a successful proposal to the federal government for a supercluster. And um, so we had the pen on that. I, I wasn't there at the time, but the previous CEO, Jim Hanlon, was heavily involved in that. And um, it was under the vision that we've got this tremendous opportunity in Atlantic Canada um, the blue economy, the growth and the interest in the blue economy globally is is growing um, at a rate that can't be ignored. And so um, with, you know, the cluster that we already had at the at Dalhousie and other uh, institutes and whatnot, um, it just made sense to be part of putting together a much broader opportunity with the supercluster. And so that was the early days, I guess, probably maybe four or five years ago when that, uh, that process would have started. And uh, Cove was, was the, it was the start of Cove at the time. And then since then, um, you know, we've been involved with the supercluster in different ways. Um, we have many of the companies that we work with that have been fortunate to uh, to receive rewards from the supercluster through their uh, their um, their RFP processes and whatnot. So um, so we continue to be involved and, and uh, stay abreast of what the supercluster is doing and and all the others as well. So there's the ocean supercluster, but there's scale AI. There's a digital supercluster. Um, so those are also very important superclusters. Um, we tend to, to focus on the ocean supercluster, but there are other big superclusters in Canada that um, are investing and and in uh, supporting projects that are very relevant to the ocean sector. Uh, uh, just for clarification purposes, can you just uh, confirm kind of your funding sources? Uh, is the supercluster does, does the supercluster play a role in? in funding some of your activities? I know they do the individual companies, but your own overall operation? Uh, as of yet, no, the supercluster doesn't um, support our, uh, our financials, if you will. Um, we have private investors in, um, in Cove. One that uh, is quite notable is Irving Shipbuilding through their national shipbuilding strategy, which is very important to us. And so we're very active in that whole shipbuilding supply chain. Um, and then we, we also go to market for uh, 
RFPs ourselves. So we have, uh, you know, different contracts that we work on. And, and then when there's opportunities for programming, we'll also, you know, tap into different programs, whether they be within provinces or with the federal government and so on. So it's quite a different mixture of, of uh, different funding resources. And just again, for clarification purposes, your governance structure, you're driven by uh, an independent board of directors. Is that correct? That's right. So we have on our board um, 13 members right now on our board uh, of directors, and it's a composition of uh, uh, many who are leading uh, either ocean-based companies or engineering companies or that are part of uh, um, the ocean sector in a different uh, way. Nominee, we'd like to talk to you a little bit more about the facilities you have on site in your facilities in Dartmouth. Uh, you mentioned earlier you have some incubation space and so on. We understand there's about 60 uh, ocean tech companies on site or affiliated with Cove. Can you tell us a little bit about those facilities? You mentioned manufacturing space or, or whatever. What, what, do you, what kind of physical um, uh, space and services are offered to support these uh, SMEs and startups? Sure. We have, um, so we actually have about 60 company, resident companies, I call them residents, they're tenants of Cove. Um, so they're here at our facility. And that means that, uh, you know, we've got in and around 300 people or so that uh, come off and on their site. Obviously, we don't, we uh, don't know the ins and outs, but um, we do record how many people are, are in and off site uh, at Cove. And um uh, we have, I mean, the site itself, so it's an eight acre site. Uh, we've got a 12 acre water lot. So what we found that's quite important for many of these companies that are located here, there's a few things. So, and, and we help to, to broker a lot of business around this, but the fact of being in a, a business oriented collaborative site is, is very important. And, and, you know, what I've seen in my time, and it's not been that long, but in Cove's not been that long, our doors opened three years ago. So we haven't really been, um, uh, you know, we're still new. Uh, the, uh, we've, we're very involved in brokering a business. And I talked about, you know, what a, the needs of a startup are versus the, the multinational and the SME. Um, so we've been involved in a lot of different conversations to try to broker business opportunities. And now what's really neat to see is that these, these companies are starting to uh, work together without without Cove being in the middle, without individuals so our employees being in the middle. So that's really neat to see. And they're being very successful. And some have been successful with the Ocean Supercluster and some of the awards there. And, uh, you know, and I think that's great success when we're not in the middle. So starting to see a lot more in that. There's um, definitely what makes this site very unique on top of being this business-oriented collaborative site is the ability to access the waterfront. And, and being part of a bigger cluster. So there are clients, customers that come on site on a regular basis. Um, there's ability to deploy tech, uh, especially ocean tech. So think of ROVs or different types of sensors from the floating docks, from the marginal wharf. So that's very important. We also work very closely with a lot of institutes that are here. So Dallas here and the um, community college and SCC, and they run some of their training programs on site at Cove. So again, it gives their students ability to access the waterfront, and that's really important. 
Um, Cove herself, I, I mentioned we run a bunch of different programs, one of them being focused on workforce development. So um, we have uh, ocean institutes for teachers that we often bring to site. Now we've, we've moved the virtual model, but we bring them to site and they actually go and they get water samples from the ocean and then they, they test the pH after. So it's very integrated learning for some of these teachers. Um, so being so close to the ocean and having the ability to um, be in a, a more broader cluster has, has been a, a big part of some of the successes that we're starting to see and the growing demand and interest that we have. So we talk about the 60 resident companies. We work with companies um, in our networks, you know, over 2000 plus. Um, some of those companies from all over the world that are very, very interested in being part of the cluster that we have here and of Cove. And in fact, when we look at, uh, you know, we've got a pipeline of companies where we're pretty much at capacity at Cove, but we've got a pipeline of co co companies about 40, 45 that are very interested and located within this, um, you know, this not only physical infrastructure, but this environment that we've created. That's impressive for sure. Uh, we can't get away from that workforce conversation, Don, every every sector we've That's been true. talking to yep. that has become an issue. I did want to ask you quickly, because you do offer these unique services, so can you tell our audience a little bit about the Stella Maris, which is a test bed for marine uh, instrumentation? Absolutely. So one of our programs is focused on testing, evaluation, and demonstration. And uh, short TED, Um <laughs> I have to be a little bit more creative with the title of that one, but uh, regardless. So one thing that Cove also does is we operate onshore, offshore, shared infrastructure. We're a third party, independent third party. And again, with the mandate of getting products to market quicker and testing, evaluating. So um, the Stella Maris is part of that pro program and um, it's a plug and play offshore subsea sensor platform that we deployed uh, last May. And uh, we have, so it's about 100 meters from uh, the wharf here in Dartmouth. And we have an on-site operation center and we have uh, different type of data coming from this platform. There's about 16 different sensors on the platform today. That means that we've worked to develop this platform just to give you a sense of you know, the, the collaborative way of how we're trying to work in different ways is that we've we've designed, we own the platform, but we've designed that platform with about 30 different companies. So there's about 16 that are on it, but they've been involved in one way or another as we led to design and uh, and deployed that in May. And now we're finalizing the the uh, the. Um, um, just finalizing before we go into, to, into operational mode of this platform. But this is the type of things that we are viewing. And the reason the platform is, is, is interesting, it depends again on what the company interests are, but I use it as an analogy for many different things. It's, it's created its own ecosystem. So we have companies that are testing their products that are getting their data in real time, which we know today is extremely important. So that big data, there's acoustics we have through our ops center that, you know, we can see imaging video um, that's coming off the platform. So it's great for companies to uh, put on their products, get real-time data, and also to understand the complementary nature of, of different types of sensors that are there, where again, it's part of that potential synergy collaboration opportunity. 
Um, second to that, what we're already starting to find, it's becoming a platform that we um, are seeing as an opportunity for training. So we have a few uh, projects in the works that are using the Stella Mars for uh, training with uh, training opportunities, say with DeepSense um, for big data, real-time data, and how that works with the ocean sector. Also with training of youth um, and post-secondary on how that a platform like that, a subsea platform with lots of data and technology can be used to better understand the ocean, the opportunities there. And then, um, uh, you know, from a visionary point of view, really, when we look at what the opportunities that lie ahead, we've now recognized the value of something like that uh, subsea platform and are looking at um, a concept around a digital harbor. So an interconnected harbor that would have where Stella would be one node of an interconnected harbor and how that would operate with, or how that would provide a lot of value from, not only from the tech point of view, but from the commercial users of a harbor. And um, and so that's, you know, sort of our, our vision of um, the next stage of the Stella Mars. Uh, we still have got work to do with Stella Mars and there's a lot of opportunity and interest on being on the Stella Mars, but uh, we're also looking forward as to what is on the cusp uh, in the global ocean sector in terms of innovation. And uh, so we're, you know, looking at opportunities around that. Another project you run is the Smart Atlantic Buoy um, project. Can you tell our listeners more about this project, its significance to the ocean sector, and who, who uses it? Sure. Uh, so we've been uh, managing that project and operating that project for a couple of years. It's uh, uh, our portion of the project. It's part of a bigger alliance, this, uh, the Smart Atlantic Alliance, uh, which is a series of different buoys uh, in Atlantic Canada. Our portion of it is managing buoys uh, in uh, St. John and uh, in Nova Scotia and Halifax, Nova Scotia. And very much in the same light as uh, as the uh, the Stella Mars, it's about getting real time data that improves your operations, your um, safety, uh, and uh, and so on. So these buoys are uh, high value buoys that are in the water and partners, the commercial partners, like the different ports use information, the pilotage authority that are involved in the project and so on. And, uh, and we're also been working with deep sense again on trying to understand what are the potential other uses of all this data that we have, but the, there's some real outcomes from that getting access to real time data. So we've seen with the pilotage authority, for example, it's improved their procedures for boarding a vessel because now they know, exactly what's happening um, at the harbor and so they don't send out their pilots if they know that uh, there may be bad weather coming and so that's improved their safety operating parameters and they have like real life examples of the impact that that has had so it's allowing these organizations to make real-time decisions the other thing that's um, you know we've sort of seen which has been uh, an after effect is that we're um, when there's storms coming, so this is public data, it's available on a website. Um, when there's storms coming, we see general public 
getting very interested, particularly surfers. So we'll see the uptick in the people looking at the data um, when there's a storm about to come. So we would record everything from wave heights, uh, temperature, um, uh, 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 tidal speeds, velocities, and so on. And uh, and so, yeah, so it, the community of interest has broadened, but there's definitely some real-life operational um importance to getting access to that real-time data. Uh, Cove also is one of the funders of DeepSense, which you've already mentioned, which is promoted as the next generation of artificial intelligence specifically focused on ocean industries. Can you explain <clears throat> what the objectives of this initiatives are and perhaps some examples of early success? Yeah, so I, I would definitely have to defer to Jennifer LaPlante, who is the executive director, and, and she can uh, um, definitely talk about the details. But the, uh, you know, we all know that data and real-time data, I've already talked of some smaller examples, is becoming so valuable, yet we still don't know how or um, how we make it valuable sometimes, right? And and uh, and now through the advancements in AI and machine learning, the ocean sector is not, um, uh, you know, is not immune to the opportunity with big data. And so the uh, Deep Sense uh, organization, which is housed within Dalhousie, works with the computer science department to really unlock value in data related to the ocean. And so far, I mean, it's still early days for them as well, but so far there's a couple of findings that align with some of our findings are that, you know, the ocean sector, and especially when we talk about high tech, has largely been driven by hardware. And hardware, because um, working in the ocean is, is not an easy feat. And so it's just been the model that's been adopted. And so the software side of businesses was generally, you know, you package it up and you give give the software that you've developed with the hardware and you sell that as a product. But now as we're evolving to so many different types of business models, so think of, uh, you know, SaaS or whatnot, um, there is so much valuable data around the ocean um, that we've known this it's not easy to track um, that um, we have to start not just thinking about it as a hardware sector. And so, you know, already DeepSense has done a couple of things. They've been working with us on the Smart Atlantic uh, buoy project, for example, where they're looking at predictability in the data that exists today and providing some predictability through um, some machine learning to provide redundancy. In, in that um, in predictive models in terms of um, the uh, weather and the environment that those buoys reside in. They've also are working on um, you know looking at predictive models with uh, in terms of port logistics with different types of marine vessels. And so it's about you know taking this large amount of information and creating value around it. So there's several projects that they've been working on, and they've also found that um, you know similar to what we've seen is that uh, uh, there's a big education opportunity right now within the sector in getting companies to understand machine learning and AI. How could that impact your business? And so DeepSense has been quite busy working with a lot of different companies on that front-end education piece to unlock value and opportunities. So, um, um, so you know, I think it's just the start. 
with deep sense but you know the 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 uh if you think about exploration in the ocean when the ocean is you know over 80 percent of our goods are transported via the ocean uh 20% of the world's protein comes from the ocean uh the ocean offers you know it's the biggest carbon sink again only 5% of the ocean has been explored and when you look at you know exploration in space which has provided a lot of opportunities and innovation and and what not um we're only a fraction in terms of budgets compared to ocean exploration yet it's you know um i can look at out, out at it i can i can uh walk my dog along the ocean it's such a big asset and a resource for us yet there's still a minimal amount that we know about the ocean and uh and i think the work that deep sense is doing around how do we look at data differently how do we be smarter about collecting data when we talk about the digital harbor like it's a whole new way of of how we're trying to understand the ocean and and work towards um using it in a more sustainable way. I have a friend that works at the Department of Fisheries and Oceans and he was telling me one day about this this technology that can analyze a square uh a cubic meter of of water and all of the things they can learn from that little chunk of water in terms of how many fish have been there and all the residues all of the things that are going on in that water temperature wise and and all of the different creatures and microbes and all that other stuff. Uh, it was very, very fascinating. And being able to use technology to harness that information in a proactive way, I think is very, very exciting. Um, we'd like you to tell us a little bit about the Cove Startup Yard, the incubator initiative operated by Corp. particularly what types of startups are attracted to that uh, facility. And I'd be very interested in understanding a little bit about where they come from. Are they coming out of the universities or... Are they coming out of existing firms? Like where, what, who has these great ideas that are now turning into startups? And, uh, and maybe you could give us a couple examples of, of, of success. Absolutely. So the, um, you know, uh, the, all our startups are really housed in our Cove startup yard, which is our incubator. Uh, at Cove and um, run through some of the, uh, Innova, takes advantage of some of the Innova, uh, Corp programming. Uh, the mix of startups, it's been quite a mix. So, you know, it's anything from uh, fish traceability, fisheries sustainability, to uh, marine transportation, to different types of coatings aboard vessels and corrosion protection, to tidal energy. So there's quite a variety of different types of startups that have come through the startup yard. And I'd say, uh, obviously, they're attracted to the uh, the programming that's offered through InnovaCorp. Uh, there's no doubt there, but they're also attractive, attracted again to the collaborative environment. So the, uh, you know, they're in a mix of not just other startups. They're in a mix of companies that, um, that are their potential customers or potential ventures or potential acquirers. And some may be looking for exits down the road, right? So it's quite a mix. So I think that's quite important to the startups. And then, of course, through some of our other programming, like on workforce development, they access other opportunities and so on. And being close to the water uh, is quite important, too. So we have, um, you know, some uh, few startups on the Stella Mars that are testing uh, some of their technology. 
technologies. And um, just to kind of go back a little bit to what you said about the uh, your experience with DFO and your your colleague there on the Stella Maris, and I invite you to come come over to Cove and see this. But one of the companies is is, is using mussels, so live mussels, to look at characteristics in the ocean. And their adaptability to understand, you know, is there a high pH? What's the reaction of muscles? So there's a tremendous amount of innovation that's happening um, in this space. And you can actually see that on, on camera. And, you know, you can correlate to some of the salinity and the temperature um, data that's coming from another sensor. So, um, so that's also interesting. But anyhow, what's, where are they coming from? So they're coming from uh, a lot of different places. So in the last couple of years, the Atlantic Ocean ecosystem has grown, um, you know, and I don't have great numbers on this, but I can tell you from uh, being involved in many different parts of this ecosystem in the startup space, there are groups like InnovaCorp, for example, that run programs, but there's a Creative Destruction Lab, if you've heard of them. Um, they have a lot of startups that are coming through them. There's through Cove, there's different startups that uh, come to us for, you know, especially internationally, they're quite interested to understand how they can be part of Cove or they're partnering with a company here. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of, um, there's Volta, for example, we work with Volta, who also house some ocean startups. And uh, so we're involved in a lot of different parts of the ecosystem. And I would say they're coming from, some are coming from academia, uh, some are coming from experienced entrepreneurs. And this is another conclusion that we've, we've seen as well in the ocean, um, especially when you're looking at hardware, data is a little bit different. There's a different generation looking at data, but um, they're generally older entrepreneurs because they've had a career, whether it be a career in the military, in the Navy, they've had a career with, um, you know, in another company, and they're very experienced and knowledgeable in working in the ocean. And, you know, those, they've started, decided to start their own company. So we see a lot of that happen as well in the sector. And that's, I think, a little bit of a nuance with the ocean sector, just because it's a very complex environment. Um, but then you have other companies that are starting to think about, okay, how do I how do I do this smarter with sensors and get data and understand how you improve um, fish traceability in fish processing? And a company like that who's done remarkably well um, is in our startup yard is Sedna Sedna Technologies, and uh, they're um, you know the CEO of that business came from a fishing family in Nova Scotia and, uh, you know, saw opportunity and they're doing really well. So now they're in Norway, they're in other parts of Europe. They're starting to build their distribution outside of Atlantic Canada. So, you know, and they, um, they're also on Stella Mars, their sensors, but, um, but again, yeah, it's coming from all different directions and, and we have, um, whether it's in the, you know, smaller areas of the province. We also have a lot of interest from, you know, if you think about Atlantic Canada, the redeployment of expertise from the oil and gas sector, offshore oil and gas sector, particularly in Newfoundland and even in, in Nova Scotia, like they're very experienced people that are looking at, want to, want to do something different, want to focus on something that may be more sustainable. And so that's a really uh, large talent pool that's experienced that, um, we're also starting to see maybe as startups or wanting to join the, the talent um, pool of the blue economy. 
Would you say that some of these startups are coming from outside Atlantic Canada to take advantage of your uh, infrastructure and the network effects of, of being associated with Cove? Absolutely. So we uh, we have startups from, uh, you know, Boston, obviously, is a big cluster of startups. There's a lot of startups from there, from the UK. We've got a lot of interest from the UK. And in fact, um, recently we signed uh, a memorandum of understanding with organizations in Norway and in Germany. And uh, the reason that we did that uh, was a couple of things. We've been in conversations for, for a while, but it was about finding a like-minded entity that is also focused on, you know, this continuum of different types of companies in a sector. And they all have, to some extent, some of their specialities, but we're uh, wanting to create global opportunities for the companies that we work with, whether they're coming here to access our infrastructure or their services that can be helpful for companies in Germany or markets that can be opened in Norway. That's the, uh, you know, that's why we, we we're working on this and, and, you know, we, we've signed this agreement and they're interested as well in what we're doing here. So, uh, you know, the other thing that's important in this sector when we think about the ocean, it's so interconnected. So when you think about marine transportation you know, over 80% of our goods are transported on the oceans. Well, that's all over the world. They're coming from Asia. They're coming from, you know, our other parts of the world. Then there's the seafood business. It's not in a, in a square lot. Um, it's all very integrated and the health of the ocean again. And, um, and so it's a very global market. Of the companies we work with, the majority, and I'd say over 80% of their markets are international. Wow. Um, so that's the type of environment that we're working. So we can't think about it. it. We could have, you know, a rurally based ocean tech company, but we want them to access the market in Norway. We want them to access the market in Chile because that's survivability, that's growth opportunity. Um, not to say that we don't have opportunity in Canada, but it's a global, it's a global type of, um, of industry. So we're interested in, understanding how you measure success. So what specific metrics are you tracking to measure the performance of Cove uh, so that the, you know, the money deployed or worked on with you and your team? How do you measure uh, whether you're having success or what do those metrics look like? For sure. So, I mean, we definitely track in company interest. And the type of companies. So we do that. And, you know, whether it's resident companies, companies that are in our pipeline, companies that are sort of in the periphery. Um, so we work very closely with industry on that. Uh, we don't have a, I can't say we have a good quantitative mechanism to track employment, but from a qualitative point of view, we can definitely, we are generally in the loop on who's hiring who, how many people they're hiring, because we, we need to know where growth is coming from, not only from a physical point of view, but also from understanding our, our programs are to service the industry as a whole. And so we're, we're very much in the loop and, and we haven't really captured how we can do that well to quantify those jobs that get created. So it's definitely something that uh, we think about, but qualitatively we can definitely say uh, there's growth there. Um, we also, as I mentioned before, this ocean enterprise study that we're about to release we do surveys of the market and to try to understand, okay, what, what has triggered growth over a period of time? And we can say that we've seen growth when an ecosystem uh, is healthier 
and healthier by having organizations like Cove, the Ocean Supercluster, the Ocean Frontier Institute, um, Deep Suns, and so on, that triggers economic opportunity. Um, and, and then, you know, workforce, we have a lot that we do in workforce. So the amount of students, for example, that would actually consider having a career in the ocean sector. Um, diversity is a big challenge in the ocean sector around the world um, in the marine economy. So, you know, getting more diversity in the sector is, 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 uh, is a must if we're, we're to be competitive. So that's an important piece. So that's things that we track. Um, we also, we run a, an internship program, a very integrated internship program that's, that's curated. Um, and we look at success rate, hiring success rates. So we just completed uh, our uh, recent internship program with post-secondary. And of those that graduated, we had an 80% uh, job hire as soon as, before they were done their internship and that's in companies. So those would be the type of things that we track. And of course we track other things like interest from international markets. Um, you know, we do just trivial things in a way, but we do a lot of site tours because people are really trying to learn of how we've created this type of environment. So whether it's, you know, we have ambassadors from Ecuador coming in, we had Ireland last week, um, we have Norway, the ambassador for Norway is coming in in a few days. So internationally and also uh, locally, um, we have a lot of people coming through our doors that are interested in understanding not just the opportunity in the ocean sector and the number of companies that are out in the market and, and creating innovation and the, you know, how do we play a role in this $3.7 trillion um, global um, growth opportunity, right? And that's what's labeled as the blue economy. So um, we're just a part of it, but from a, you know, how do we build a high tech, innovative uh, business around that is really, a, is, is getting a lot of traction and, and, and interest. Uh, Melanie, finally, uh, <clears throat> we're almost out of time, but I did want to uh, ask you a little bit more about your focus on workforce development. It's a strong emphasis that you have. You have an, in, an internship uh, program for those seeking careers in ocean industries. Maybe you can just give our listeners an ex a few examples of some of the opportunities uh, that uh, that exist in this sector because it's, a, it's going to be a growing sector, obviously, going ahead. Um, and a lot of good careers that people may not be considering uh, will be offered by this uh, sector. So if you could give us just some examples of where the best opportunities may be in the short term. Sure. So our workforce development program focuses on building a talent pipeline, and that's everything from youth that are looking at getting a job in 15 years or 10 years to uh, post-secondary and then mid-career professionals because the industry needs experienced people. And, uh, you know, we, we've started with baselines and our baselines on youth, we've have these published studies on our website, if uh, those are interested, but we've done scans of youth across Atlantic Canada to uh, see what their perceptions and their views were. And this was about a couple of years ago, what their perceptions and views were about a career in the ocean sector. It wasn't pretty. It was not a lot of interest. It was, you know, um, you saw it as dark, dirty, um, hard jobs 
being on board vessels, not a lot of diversity and so on. So that's the starting point. <laughs> so there's a lot of work to be done there, not just with the youth, but across the spectrum. So, you know, we have a lot of programs for youth to try to create awareness uh, around um, um, opportunities in the ocean. So whether it's, do we have professional development days for teachers across Canada through our ocean institutes? We have training programs for youth. We go into schools and so on. So that's a big piece to raise the awareness. We have young women in ocean tech that we uh, started this year that will continue, which was about getting high school girls um, interested in, in, in tech and ocean tech, ocean-based tech. Um, we work with post-secondary, obviously, on our internships. And as I said, you know, there's, we've had good success to date with them getting jobs and they're very immersed in, in, in industry. It's not like a co-op placement where here you go, go work for that company. We do professional development with them. And really what we're doing is trying to get the market ready. Um, so that's a great opportunity too. And we also run days. So we just had one with a, um, a group from Dalhousie University and they came to site and we plan a whole day and we're going to do more of these because they're really important. We plan a whole day and they were submarine um, science students. And it's a very curated day. See what's happening in industry. See what COVID is doing. Learn about this um, more broader. And, and the comments already were really good. Like some thought they would have to go work for DFO. And I don't want to take talent away from DFO, but they thought that was their only career path. And so we're trying to show them that, you know, look at every ocean observation that is happening through high tech here. Um, that could be a career. Your, your, you know, your skills are very valued. And so more of those days are quite important and more work with our post-secondary uh, groups. And then the mid-career uh, professional side is we've started the conversation um, to date on. We know it's a gap. We know it's a need within the sector and especially diversity within the sector. We've started the conversation through our Changing Tide series and, and we're working on something that's uh, also going to be coming up for mid-career professionals. But how do you get them interested in the ocean sector? How do you transition them into the ocean sector? And so we talked about oil and gas, offshore oil and gas. Like these are highly experienced people. Um, there may be a little bit of a disconnect. They've been used to a certain type of, of, uh, of salary, say, that may not be comparable um, in the in, in part of this sector anymore. So there is there may be some other training that may be required on AI, machine learning, if that's where the high-tech innovation is happening. So those are the type of things that we think about a lot and trying to identify routes and pathways to, to bridge those gaps. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's, again, it's still early days for us, but we're developing a quite a strong workforce development program because uh, it's a market need across the board. We've heard it from whether it's, it's um, small industry, um, some startups, large large companies, the the DFO, the, you know, defense trying to get kind of that talent that is thinking about things in a different way is very, very important. Well, Melanie, this has been a really um, interesting conversation about the blue economy. I think uh, obviously we're well positioned in this region to take advantage of it. And uh, I want to thank you for joining us on this episode of the Insights Podcast and wish you uh uh, much success in your work. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. You've been listening to the latest episode of Insights on the Huddle Podcast Network. Mark Legere helped produce this episode. You can follow the show on podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify. 
And if you've enjoyed listening, please recommend the show to a friend. Don and David will be back again next week.